So, uh, Murky, do you think this, uh, this, this, uh, broadcast will be okay? Yeah, um, it'll be fine. How do you, it'll be alright? Sure. Okay, um, so could you, uh, go ahead and cue this up? Um, are we ready to broadcast this on the, yeah. on the shortwave? It's cool. Let's just do it. Okay, um, uh, uh, we'll just put out raw, um, and with uh, all the uh, static and stuff that uh, David's good comes stuff. With the, uh, huh? Let's just put it on the air. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So um, this it'll just be uh, um, um, uh, a recording from our broadcast that we we did last we night. We did it at on, zero uh, six hundred hours UTC. Oh, uh, just a little after eleven p.m. Uh, all right. Okay. So anyway, this is the broadcast we did last night that was recorded on the shortwave. So um, this is. Not clear editing, but uh, involved with the uh, um, static and stuff and all the bizarre stuff that comes on the shortwave. So we're gonna do another episode like that, and you'll think it'll be you think it'll be okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Love you. Let's go. One, two, three. Lima, Delta, Echo. Lima, Delta, Echo. This is In Between Stations Radio broadcasting from Flagstaff, Arizona, USA. I think I've mentioned in previous episodes that I had what I like to say were three pretty profound experiences with death or or dying and um, because often in the so-called psychedelic experience uh, you have uh, these these death experiences uh, that are pretty profound uh, especially with your ego and self that seems to um, dissolve often in these uh, so-called uh, um, psychedelic experiences so, uh, not including my own psychedelic experiences. No, I don't like that word, uh, psychedelic. Um, it's it's kind of loaded. It's kind of cultural. Um, but this otherworldly experience you have, uh, and it's, that's done in these uh, very ancient ceremonies, uh, discipline and fasting, and you take these uh, amazing amazingly powerful plants that expand your consciousness for various reasons in the ceremony and often for spiritual reasons and reasons of growth not to get high wow man look at the colors and you can have that but these with these tribes these are very important experiences in maturing uh, as an individual in in this uh in your life but but putting the psychedelic okay i'm going to use that word putting the psychedelic experience my own uh putting them uh, out of the uh, out of the discussion today, or it's not really discussion because you're just listening to me. And so uh, today, I want I want to uh, focus on the second uh, death experience that I had, uh, which was two years after the first one, because I was almost five, uh, living in Utah, a tonsil appendectomy, where they um, they took my tonsils out and and this massive hemorrhaging uh, resulted where I, uh, I almost died. In fact, I, I did die. 
and uh, you know as a little boy uh, and then they were able to save my life but uh, it took a while and a little a little boy that's all you know almost five doesn't have a lot of body fluid and so there was just this long recovery that took place and then um, talked about that a little bit and this, this experience I had with death during the time I was uh, on the operation table um, this I want to focus on the second experience which was, which was two two years later uh, and my family moved to the uh, to the Midwest from Utah and and during that time too my mom remarried uh, a new husband and he became my uh, stepfather um, but they didn't have a lot of money uh, and so we didn't we didn't, they, you know, there was no insurance or anything like that. And I contracted the red measles and got extremely ill, vomiting and throwing up. But what I remember mostly was this tremendous fever I had, uh, around 103, 104 degrees. I think that's what my mom used to relate. Now, that's, that's really high. And it was high enough that brain damage resulted. I lost consciousness, uh, woke up in a, in a hospital room. Um, that's, that's what I can remember. Uh, and, um, and then this long road to recovery and trying to learn how to walk again. And then it had lasting implications because uh, I was in athletics and sports a lot. And it was always this, this problem with uh, uh, coordinating my feet and my hands and different things to do with, uh, you know, you have to do in athletics. And so it, it always took me uh, a lot more, always took a lot more effort to do things. And... Uh, so it ha it's had lasting implications since then. Um, and, and my memory of, of a lot of this is not clear. I had this uh, so-called psychedelic experience with bright colors because of the fever and warped uh, visual distortions and uh, being between dreams and, and, and visions and seeing my mother and my stepdad and trying to, you know, a little boy doesn't know how to separate those things very well when they're normal but when you're sick it's even more so but there was this uh complete blackness where i was absent and uh the self was dissolved uh this frightening uh feeling you have when you start to lose uh track of yourself when you um and that is a little person i knew something was wrong and um that that's that's kind of what i want to focus on because uh, I started having this uh, this idea that uh, either I died in the hospital or I, I, I was in a coma. Now I didn't know what a coma was until several years later, but you know I, I, I was I, be, I, I became obsessed with this idea that um, I was unconscious in the hospital room and I'm experiencing my whole life from then till now. In 1966 and so my mind had developed this powerful uh, dream state to 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 make my life and so I'm still in that bed it's still 1966 and we know and people know from dreams especially you know and I've talked about this I have an extensive memory memory of dreams that time is distorted it's not exact uh, in the element of the dream and, and of course I've talked about I have substantial dreams where there's very intact realities with cars, trucks, neighborhoods, people, uh, a different face, a different body, and I'm living out the, an entire life and I've had been having these many different types of situations where I'm different individuals in different places. Uh, I've been having these, these very powerful baseline rooted dreams since I've been a little boy. And, 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 and the, time, the time element is different. I go to sleep and I have one of these dreams and it seems like years have passed 
And then I wake up, it's like, you know, hey Dave, I look at my clock, it's like, I've been asleep for three hours, and I just experienced an entire lifetime. And, and, and then I talked about, you can't tell that when you're in that state, uh, in that dream, it's as real as this one. And I've also talked about that I suspect this is a dream as well. And there's absolutely no way you can prove this because the reality, uh, the laws, the physical laws or dream laws are in, are, are, in, are in action when you're in that reality, that state of mind, and that's what's taking place, just like here. And so um, <clears throat> I talked about manifold consciousness, which makes some people uncomfortable. Others of us uh, are fairly comfortable with that situation because it's very apparent that's, that's what's going on. Um, and so... Um, Right, then, so I, I became, I had this idea that um, I, I sort of started playing this detective game. Well, how can I, how can, how can I prove that I'm having a dream, that I'm still back in 1966? And I've just finished a novel, I only released the first part of it, uh, that, that, that the premise of the entire novel is what I'm talking about. And this, this character, Sarah, is, uh, uh, plays a chief role in, in trying to wake me up to the situation. And so, uh, if you get a chance to, to listen to the novel, it's kind of a struggle at first because uh, I have sort of different realities going on, and it was written, and then I went ahead and made an audio no, you know, a novel out of it, which was very difficult with sound effects and different people talking, and that wasn't what it was meant to be originally, what it was meant to be read. <clears throat> and it's a series of uh, four different books that go through this whole premise of what's a reality and what's a dream. And Sarah plays a central role, role in trying to wake me up to the fact that, uh, of this, you know, what's going on. And, in, and I've talked about in other episodes, you can't prove what's real and what's not real. That whole thing, you know, real in parenthesis, is according to what's going on, uh, what you're aware of. And that can be distorted unchanged completely by uh, damage to your brain, uh, which, you know, is part of this uh, second death experience I had. Uh, it can be changed by uh, taking a handful of uh, drugs, you know, it, it's uh, psychotropic drugs, which I've had experiences with, which uh, really change your state of mind. Uh, uh, illness or these powerful hallucinogenic uh, plants that you take in the Amazon. Um, states of mind can be changed. Sometimes by just reading a book or watching a movie. I think that's part of the problem right now is we're really st stuck hardcore in this 9 to 5 reality. And people making a lot of money and people that are in the state, the state being a territory like a nation, um, it's, it's beneficial to them to make us, to make, to make us overwhelmed with this uh, 9 to 5 reality. So we keep working and keep supplying the money. But what a lot of uh, indigenous tribes know is you have to break up that kind of reality and open your mind up to a more expansive reality that lies under the, underneath everything else. And that's, the, that's uh, really the function of a lot of these ceremonies is to wake you up to the higher levels of consciousness. And I, I, in fact, that's probably the function of, of a lot of religions is to wake you up to what is perceived as the higher level of being and consciousness. So, um, yeah, this lifelong detective game of trying to figure out what happened to me in 1966. Um, I've also equated that the method of death wasn't necessarily a fever, but uh, an automobile accident. Um, so, um, and in the book, it, it sort of goes through that. Although the two characters in the book, uh, 
and my novel, uh, the person named David, is not necessarily too much like me. I had to leave some of my personal experience behind and, and build this character that had his own life so I could see it from a third-person perspective. There's problems when you get too involved in, your, in, in, in the subjective. And so the book allowed me to look at these two people, David and Sarah, in a sort of an objective way and then take them through this detective game of how real is a dream? Is, is life a dream? And, and, and uh, if it is, what does that mean? And my thing is, is that it doesn't make, it le make you less responsible if it is, because my rule is um, whatever dream you're in, whatever reality you're in, and, and you have to have a discipline, and I do a lot of this, you know, this just journeying in these other realms, especially with um, so-called psychedelic plants. And this is nothing new. This has been going on for tens of thousands of years. These cave walls in South Africa, uh, in France, um, are more than just animal hunting scenes, especially the ones in South Africa. These are, uh, if you've done ayahuasca and yopo, uh, these powerful hallucinogenic plants, you recognize immediately that the, the art and the signature on these cave walls is making contact with these other realms. Because you see these animal people, mixtures between animals and people, between other beings. Uh, they're on, in vehicles, and there's this whole amazing process going on that you're totally aware of when you look at these thousands of year, years old um, cave depictions. So it's, it, it's just bullshit that it's always a hunting scene. And I'm an artist, and I've been trained as an artist, disciplined in representational abstraction, and um, it's very apparent that this is not just hunting scenes. These are things that are breaking into other realms of thought. These are visions. Uh, very powerful visions. And then when you, when you know these tribes and you visit them, you, they'll go, yeah, of course. Um, we, this has been going on for thousands of years in our tribe. We know it's, you know, it's, uh, there used to be this uh, prevailing thought here in the southwestern United States that, um, that petroglyphs are, are, nobody knows what's being said. That's just not true. Um, uh, I, I have several friends, it depends on the clan you're from and, uh, and the group that were migrational that passed through. They leave symbols on the walls. Uh, sometimes there are uh, uh, events in the sky. Um, we're keeping track of the stars and things. Or sometimes there are, this clan came through and they leave a symbol and they write a story about it. And then they have these, these dreams. They have these, these visions that take place in their ceremonies on the cliff wall. And they can, and there's still people today. They're older that can read these, and uh, you just can't grab somebody out of any tribe and they can read them because it has to be tribes that are connected to the ones that migrated through. So they're very readable and very understandable. And a lot of the symbols on those cliff walls, to this day, are still uh, used in the ceremonies, and they're and they're and they're well known. Not all, but a lot of them are. So um, that's a lot of bunk that it's just scribbling and people sitting down and and hunting. Uh, we, you know, outsiders like to think that because they haven't had that experience. And uh, I, I always like to ask an archaeologist, and that's one of my degrees, have you ever had an ayahuasca experience? Do you remember your dreams? Have you ever been to any ceremonies at Hopi or Zuni? Do you know a damn thing about that other culture other than your mathematical methodology that you teach? Stratigraphic? You know, there is... There is some legitimate detective work and, and scientific work going on, but there is this, uh, there is this assumption from the outside, outsider's view that um, they know what's going on, and they don't. When you haven't had that experience, that otherworldly experience, 
then you're just not even in the ballpark to understand what's going on with these people. Other than you can, you know, reconstruct a house and reconstruct a, the skeletal evidence and the pottery, but you do you have no idea what's on the symbols, what the symbols mean, and they're profound. They're, they're very deep, and they're thousands and thousands of years old. And these are before writing. The, uh, the symbol itself, and, and being an artist, I understand that, that, that completely, as symbolism is a very powerful element, more so than words. In fact, words often try to achieve that, that event through, uh, through um, verbalizing the symbolism, which is an esoteric experience, which is something you really can't verbalize. You have to have it. So the otherworldly state, as we term it, us that haven't had that experience, <laughs> or people that haven't had that experience, I personally have, um, is this expansive reality that goes far beyond the 9 to 5 situation where you're going to work and paying bills and, and, and watching the TV show. You know, TV's a drug anyway. I don't know why people don't investigate that as a, as a drug addiction. Because you just sit there and you watch somebody else's story and you watch all the advertisements and the ads and you're not doing anything you're like and that's kind of what these um these recreational drugs do you just sit there and it happens uh, that, that there's disciplines that go with these much older uh, psychogenic states that uh, are for maturing and for developing and for understanding who the creator is and expanding your mind and your disciplines and so it's a, a lot different than that experience. And TV is a sort of hallucinatory um, experience that you're, you know, that makes your dopamine levels go up. So you're addicted to it, and you watch it. Same with YouTube videos, and the same with listening to, to you know, to some songs. Uh, there's no, you don't do anything. And that's not that's a big no-no. And um, in, in, in a lot of these tribal systems, there's a discipline involved. And it may take your entire life to understand these levels of existence you have to work up through. And I think that uh, fundamentally is part of most, most religions. You, there's, there's a work involved. And I, you know, with things like uh, ayahuasca and yopo, you don't just sit there. It's a very, at least for me, a very physical experience. And there is disciplines involved when you're in those realities. And it takes several years to develop a format on what you do when you're in those realities. And there's things to follow, and there's beings that can hurt you there, and there's this whole, uh, this whole, it's a school. And, and it, takes, it takes a while to understand that. So putting that all aside and getting back to this experience that, I, that I've had, and it's really been a, a, an awakening experience to get me to understand um, that there's more to life than, than going out, you know, because initially I grew up on a little farm and we had hogs and cattle, you know, not, not a lot, and there's things you had to do. And then you went to work and earned a little bit of money so you could get a car. And, it, you know, there was, there's more out there than that. And I think sometimes it's, it's the, this effort to, get it, to convince us that, um, which right now we're beginning to question, why do I do this job? Why am I not making enough money? Um, and, and, and you're so involved in that process that you forget this beautiful, expansive reality that lies outside of all that. And that people that have power have, have in the state and have convinced you that this is what reality is. And that's just simply bullshit. And I think really this experience, uh, these three death experiences I had, especially the first two, and then the death of, of family members really woke me up to this, yeah, death. 
because that's 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 eternal. You know, that's this whole experience you have after the you've lived in the nine to five reality, and the rules in my experience with death don't apply. You know, the same things that's going, <laughs> and and that's what things like Tibetan Book of the Dead is. It instructs you in this. 49 days that you are without your body before you're reincarnated um, so you can be reincarnate, reincarnated in a better um, a better state supposedly and I, I don't claim to know everything about the Tibetan Book of the Dead but it is an interesting premise that you're in this Bardot place this in-between place and that you have the ability to just to be endlessly deceived by dreams I happen to think dreams are really important, and that's actually what everything is anyway. So the deception is your is you is you keep repeating the same thing over and over and over. So when you die, you just repeat the same life over and over until you work out the the problem. And so uh, that's Bardo is an interesting premise, and there's these things you need to do to recognize what's the enlightened state, what's the state you're aiming towards. Uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead is one thing. The Egyptian Book of the Dead is more about making this transition into this beautiful uh, paradise that you'll go into and the, the things you say and, and the judgments that take place. And there's this whole uh, long and, and these important sequences that you need to know uh, when you die. And, and, and when you're in that state, uh, and sometimes the, uh, the psychedelic experience gives you that where where ego is dissolved and you are dissolved and you're no longer there uh, you need to you need something to guide you at least for me there's a there's a discipline that you gain uh, from spiritual leaders and from experience i mean maybe the illusion is that you're in this is what this is all there is it's an illusion for us that have, have cracked the door open and went in there into the other places and people, you know, say you're fantasizing and such and such. But that's always been a, a propaganda. We know what to do with that. You know, I, I was in a war. I know what we do with propaganda. I mean, you gotta, you, you have to erase some of your guilt so you can go in there and kill the enemy and take their resources and feel like you're justified in doing that. You know, that, that you can, uh, that you went in there for a reason, for freedom, for your country. You know, we murdered these people, these women and children, because we had to do it to get to, because they were doing these horrible things. And when you find out they weren't doing these horrible things, that the real reason you were there was to steal their resources. That's unnerving. And then when you realize that you were lied to, to make someone else money, to bring power to somebody else, that bothers you. And that's, that's the, uh, that's part of my story. You know, and I've talked about war and stuff like that, and I don't really want to go in. That's not the, the thing here. But the thing for me, I guess, what I'm trying to say today, and, you know, I'm taking bits and pieces of, of, of other um, thoughts here, but um, that there's so much more to life than just this going out there and, and having to work and pay bills and, and struggling, and uh, um, you're going to wait till you retire. And I mentioned before I had this friend that saved and worked his ass off so he could be retired at 50 and, and be substantially wealthy and can enjoy vacations and, and he was right there and as fate had it he had a heart attack at 50 and and what he the work he did was left for his his wife and his his grieving wife and his children he never got to have that my thing is is you have that right now 
you step out of your car, you step out of this life that's so cemented in, and you have this experience with the divine. Uh, you have this esoteric experience with tribal people, with traditional people. It's been educated in their tribal system that goes back thousands of years. Uh, there's a there's a well set format format on how to do that, and it's involved in everything you do: your work, uh, sex, birth. Um, everything is a song, and it's an event in the other world. It's 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 an event in the in the in the cosmos it isn't tied into this this slavery uh you know for the most part into this slavery system where you're not going to have any of that you're going to do you're going to work for us um, i'm not saying that doesn't go on in tribal elements and in, in, in the past because it did but not to the degree it is now and i think a lot of us uh are starting to question why we do what we do and, and, and I'm telling you that when you are under this illusion that this is it, you know, don't tell the slave there's more out there because they got to keep working. We, they, they bring us the money. They bring us the, we could, so we can drive the luxury car. Um, there's these people now that have billions and billions of dollars. They don't want you to stop working. They don't want you, uh, you know, to, to stop that process and, and I think a lot of us are starting to ask ask why and I think that's when a system and uh, when a nation like Rome comes to an end it just doesn't work anymore and, it's, and it has to like it has to fall and that is a succession of civilization rising and falling and I mentioned before there are civilizations that have lived peacefully for over a thousand years at least 23 of them and, and so that can be done we can go in another direction there doesn't always have to be war. That's some kind of bullshit that's put on top of us to make us think there's always war. You know, that's the whole premise between or Orwell's Oceana is a constant war. And, and, and we don't realize sometimes that we're in that constant war, especially in the history of the United States. But indigenous people know because they've been affected by that. They've been in the war. They've been killed and murdered. They haven't forgotten what the outsider did. And we shouldn't forget that we can change things and make a better situation so we can have a broader more expansive reality in which we're enjoying life and if not then then, then walk the fuck out the door and find something in this and i happen to think that life's very fragile and precious and i don't even know if you get this this, this type of thing back again that you need to, to use it to your full extent this 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 body and this experience and that someone else is often dictating that experience for you that they're making their pleasure is what you're supporting and what you do. And, and you may never have that experience, you know, except that you've provided for everybody and you want their life to be better than yours. But what ends up happening most of the time is you just hand to them this, 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 what you have to do. You know, you got to pay this bill. You got the house bill. You know, um, that wasn't always so. That's the way this society works. Right? And that's the way this one works. Um, we can open ourselves to broader realities. And I, and I think initially my experience, that second death experience, is all about waking up to the fact that you have this, this time period and, and, and to discover things and to use what you have. It doesn't matter if it's a dream or not because the reality is so substantial and you're so in it that you have, this, you have something to do. You know, some people say uh, war and violence has been going on since humans were around. It's just a part of this planet. Bullshit. There's plenty of examples in history to prove that wrong. 
There are societies that have lived in peace for long, long periods of time. It can be done. My, my thing is, is uh, it's poss possible there's these flawed systems that convince us that there needs to be perpetual war and uh, perpetual violence. Maybe the violence is a product of just complete dissatisfaction with a system that re rewards a few people, a few selfish people that we idolize and call stars and that take up our time. You have to buy an entire network so everybody can hear your bullshit. Meanwhile, you know, you enslave people that work at your place. I'm not going to say a name, but there's some people right now, that's what they do. It's well known by their workers that they're complete assholes. That they're not cool. That they're not nice. They don't care about anything that you just do your job. As long as they have plenty of money and everything. That's the problem. When you get a system that's so top-heavy that it's only rewarding a few people, the rest of us are angry. And maybe the product of the violence we're having is people are just saying it's hopeless. We're sick of this system. We don't want it anymore. And I think, again, I say that starts with you. Whether it's a dream or not, you need to get involved. And this whole thing, you know, a dream is idea. A dream is your reality. But start taking it serious. Um, I, I, I happen to think dreams can be enlightening. That, there, that for tens of thousands of years, people lived in these expansive, otherworldly realities. The British Isles, for God's sakes, was Celtic, was had tribes and they were ceremonies and they were involved in other that's where that term other world comes from um, so yeah let's, let's think about this does it take a death does it take a trauma to wake us up to something and why are these are these people that feel like they have to take their experience and throw it on top of yours and make you believe in how they believe that may be the downfall right there is, is taking people and forcing your ideals on top of them. And I've talked about that before. It may be that variety is the song of the universe. It certainly is in this planet. When you look at the process of life, it's nothing but variety. Intense variety over and over. Unlimited. And, and humans are not at the top of the scale of that. I just don't believe it. I something to think we're obsessed with that viewpoint. That it's only humans. That we're at the top. But we're judging people from our criteria. When you get to know other animals and other life forms, you realize they have a way of doing things that's incredible. And in the tribal way, you learn from animals. You learn from plants. They're your f mother and father. They're your progenitors. They're, they have something to teach you. Human is not the ultimate expression of life. That's just complete bullshit. And it's a dead end. And especially in modern times. Humans have done more damage and are more insane than any other species on the planet. So why would we think that somehow we're at the top of the scale? That maybe we need to open up ourselves to a broader, more expansive reality in which there's endless amounts of life forms that can, we can teach each other and help each other. Uh, countless levels of reality. Maybe the dream is more substantial. Maybe it's beautiful that things do end and begin constantly. So we can be involved in a process that allows us to expand. And I think that is what this new age is all about. I don't mean new age is like a religion or something. I mean the new age, the new world is opening our minds to the potentiality of what we can be. That people before us have done and continue to do. That maybe being 
dead is that you're locked into this situation from 9 to 5 that you think there's nothing you can do. This is how it is. And maybe that's the death of everything itself, is when you when you just, you're waiting to die, you're waiting to go into the next world. And maybe, like in Bardot, you're just going to keep repeating this until you figure out that reality is actually very expansive, and it's not limited to one view. There's an intense variety, and the experience is in that variety, not being stuck in a place, uh, in a time that you think that's all there is. Maybe that's the part of Bardot, at least for me, that might be real, is you just keep repeating this over and over again. There, the only heaven you're going to find is no heaven at all. But you're stuck in this reality. Uh, and, and, and maybe it's time to uh, realize you can do it right now. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what your job is. You can walk out of that. You can have this beautiful uh, life that's expansive. And that you can move out of the sector into something more, you know, something beautiful and, and new. Constant renewal, constant challenges. Um, get out of your goddamn chair and get out of that reality and what somebody's telling you on TV or the news, which is edited to, to their liking, to their money. But that, you know, when you, when you get away from that, you realize that it's... it's it's doctored by people that want to stay in power. They don't. They want you to stay where you're at. Not everybody can be Michael Jordan in the NBA, you know. And, and I, I don't know why we think we have to be Michael Jordan. We can be ourselves, and we can expand and grow. And, and, and I think maybe that's that's death is when you can't. And uh, being trapped and looped in this reality. And, and that might be partly why we have so much violence. It's simply people are so unhappy. So, um, okay, let's move on. This is In Between Stations Radio. 